Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today. My guest is Lisa Gayton Harper. She is the Director of Latino Services at Alzheimer's Los Angeles. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi, Marcia. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, I'm I'm just absolutely delighted, and I'm so glad that the show is starting off precisely as it's supposed to. Before <laughs> I have you tell us a little bit, of, really, you can't imagine what a deep sigh of relief that is. Before we go on, I just wanted to mention to everybody that November is National Alzheimer's Disease Awareness and National Caregivers Month. For those of you that may not have known that, I think that's important for you to know. But before we get into the, 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 the meat of the show, so to speak, I think it's always so important to get to know my guests. So could you please just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I, I live, I'm born and raised in, in California. My, uh, my parents were both immigrants. My dad was from Chihuahua, Mexico. My mom was from Guadalajara. Uh, Mexico, Jalisco, and um, uh, I was born here in L.A. and raised here, and uh, I, you know, became a, a, a single mama at 18, 19 years old, and then I finally, you know, um, got married in my late late 30s, and so mm. I live here in Whittier, you know, I'm local with my husband and, and my two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. Um, so... And I know that you are um, pursuing um, your doctorate degree, but we'll, we'll maybe we'll get to that. But yes. what I'd like to yes. know is what inspired you to pursue a career in social work? You know, Marcia, I've, I've always liked, helped, wanted, liked helping people. Um, and uh, I don't think I was going to share this, but my, I remember my dad telling me even when I was little, my mom used to work um, late nights at a, as a cashier at a, at a, like a hamburger stand. And so we would uh-huh. have to go pick her up at night. So sometimes I, I, was, I would go with him. And he said that even when I was a little kid, uh, I saw a, a homeless man, you know, on the, um, on the street. And I said, you know, he needs food. We need to give him food. And, and uh, I, I don't know, I was like little, like four, maybe five. I don't know. You know, wow. and so ever since I was little, and that's I, when he told me that, I was like, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah." So he's like, "You've always been like this." So my dad is gone. He's he's been gone for um, almost twelve years now. But mm-hmm. I've I've always like, enjoyed helping people, volunteering. You know, um, so that's always something that just came naturally and just mm-hmm. you know naturally. And so, and then you know, when I as I got older and I started to see just the need for. I guess you say Spanish speaking community. I, I just wanted to help. I didn't know how, right. but I just knew I wanted to help in you know social services some way somehow. And and that's that's really how I I got into you know social work and 
um, learning about that and, and, and what, what can I do as a professional, you know, as a career mm-hmm. to help my sure. Spanish speaking community. And yeah. Well, so what, what can that, so what continues to motivate you today? Well, you know, there's still a need for Spanish speaking professionals. You know, like you said, I, I'm uh, studying for my doctorate right now, and uh, unfortunately, only maybe two percent, you know, uh, Spanish-speaking professionals have a doctorate. Uh, so the statistics are still low. We still need a lot more Spanish-speaking mm-hmm. professionals in the medical field, in in the you know uh, educational, you know, higher-level field. So really, to to really, I, I want to say create programs or, you know, that, that are really culturally um, on point for our Spanish-speaking community. Yes. That, that, makes, that really makes sense to me. Is, is, is there an underlying reason or purpose that drives you to pursue your goals and aspirations? Well, you know, I, I worked um, in end-of-life care for a little over 10 years. Oh. Um, yes, and so... so I saw just a lot, I would say, unnecessary suffering, a lot of lack of information also. Right. Um, yeah, just because, you know, I, I, I get this health literacy, yes, health literacy in the Spanish community, but um, we are not, um, I'm just going to say, like, we are, we, when we get the information, we share the information. But that's mm-hmm. the point, is that, that that's the key I would say the gap is getting the information to the communities that need that need it the most. Absolutely, and there's there's not always a lot of ways to do that. Um, certainly, there's a lot of nonprofits out there that you could be a guest speaker for, you know. But you know, it's it's like you say, it's getting that information. Was was there a specific experience or moment that deeply influenced why you do what you do? Yes, yeah, so so my dad, you know, like I said, he's been gone now twelve years. It's gonna be thirteen years, and uh, okay. he was diagnosed. So he, you know, he had diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and he was diagnosed with, uh, you know, renal failure. So he was on dialysis. Gosh, nine years, almost ten years. What a long time! Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. And uh, I want to say maybe like two or three years into the dialysis treatment, he was diagnosed with vascular dementia. And I remember I'm the second oldest and I speak English, so I had to go with my parents to the Mm -hmm. point, you know, because of language barrier. And I remember when the doctor told us that he was diagnosed with vascular dementia, thinking, what the heck is that? And how do we get rid of it, right? Not knowing, Mm -hmm. just being so young and not knowing. Um, what exactly that meant. And so my mom and my dad knew less, right? Uh, sure. And so <clears throat> I remember that, and and I wish I would have known about, like, organizations like Alzheimer's LA back then because my mom so needed that. She was the main caregiver, mm-hmm. right? And so I just saw a lot of, um, a lot, I'll just say gaps in the healthcare system mm-hmm. for my dad. Um, some were great physicians, right? but didn't speak the language, and some were not so great physicians and didn't speak the language. Does that make sense? So yes. it made things a little harder, right? And so the whole yeah. transition. So it was just, it was a, I, I know 
So this is why I can speak and say I know the disease professionally and personally, as well as mm-hmm. I know end-of-life care hospice personally and professionally. Because right. I, my dad is going on hospice, you know, because of complications. And, and we mm-hmm. had to decide, well, my mama, but we got, as a family had to decide what do we do? Well, there's no more quality mm-hmm. of life there, you know, so the doctors, mm-hmm. um, excuse me if I get emotional. But, <laughs> it's, it's, but it uh, makes it sense cool. that you would get emotional. That's, that's your dad. It was a yes. tough time. So I remember, it was. Um, yeah, I remember just having to make that decision uh, mm-hmm. and not because he didn't have any plans. He didn't, he didn't have any advanced directives in place. So my mom. Oh, no. Yeah. So, so this is what, you know, I get it. I, I get what our community goes through because we mm-hmm. went through it. And um, right. being Catholic, so we, we, the first thing that we knew was, well, let's just go to, let's go to the priest. Let's go talk to Father Larry and see what he says because we don't know what right. to do, right? Right. <laughs> so these well, are, you know, these are, these, oh. mm-hmm. no, go ahead, finish your thought. Uh, no, these are just things that, that happened, right, and uh, mm-hmm. that I had a chance to experience them, so I could I uh, I know what some of these difficult decisions are, right? Right, um, right. Yeah, I think the fact that that, uh, that you're not just sharing the information, you are you have felt this experience, so you know what you could have need, what could have helped you, and what now that you that you've experienced that how that transitions into how you can help others. And your dad would be so proud of you. I'm sure he would be so proud of you, as well as the rest of your family. But I think that this is so important. And frankly, you know, we're going to be talking about the Latino community specifically. But Mm -hmm. whether you're Latino or not, this disease affects, it knows no borders. And um, it's a very important, it's important information for everybody to know. And I want to just mention the the website for those of you that may be listening as we speak. It's simply alzheimersla.org. And if you don't know how to spell Alzheimer's, I'm going to spell it for you. It's A-L-Z-H-E-I-M-E-R-S. S. There's no apostrophe there. Just M E R S L A dot, and you have a fascinating website. You, Giving Tuesday is November the 28th. There's a. You, it says right underneath your logo, providing free education and support for people living yes. with Alzheimer's and other dementias and their caregivers. Co- I mean, come on, and I, I hope that people will consider making a contribution. But let's talk about your role in this organization and exactly what your responsibilities are now. Yes, yeah, so fast forward now, right? So education uh, and outreach really, truly as are the core of my responsibility with Alzheimer's Los Angeles. And it really is to, to – um, uh, in a nutshell, is raise awareness about the disease, specifically how it affects Latinos, right, our, our community, and then inform, mm-hmm. inform and educate um, them uh, on the disease and, and risk factors and how to lower those risk factors, and then also to connect them to resources. So that, in a nutshell, really is my my role in, uh, uh, and responsibility uh, in this in this position. 
and uh, and taking this information to those those communities that need it the most, you know. So I I I think we serve, you know, the underserved, you know, and and that's yes, where I, I I love to be in in you know and um and thrive. Yeah, I, I'm sure when you close your eyes at night, you realize, without even knowing who you touched, that you did touch. I just I'm reading something right now on your website that says every 65 seconds someone is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. That's pretty amazing. I think what yeah. would be really helpful right now is I'm a definition person. Um mm-hmm. I'm a literal person and so for me it it helps me to appreciate and understand the the definitions of things. And so I think we should start with some definitions. So let's start with the definition of dementia. What exactly is dementia? That's a, that's a great question, Marcia, because oftentimes this gets so confused, dementia and Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. right? They think uh, yes. uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding that. So dementia is, think of it as an umbrella term for loss of memory and other thinking abilities where uh, se- severe enough to interfere with daily life. So we have dementia, and then under that we have the different types of dementia. So think of dementia, dementia as the symptom, right? Uh, and uh, that leads us to believe to cause, you know, to let's do, let's see what's let's see what's going on here. And so Alzheimer's mm-hmm. disease is the most common cause of dementia. Vascular dementia is the second uh, most common uh so that those are the two uh i say the the distinctions between the dementia think of symptoms and then alzheimer is the one type of dementia a disease does that make sense and is there something called lewy body or something like that too yes lewy body is it, another form of dementia so that's the third i would say that's you know if you could list them uh so there's different mm-hmm. types of dementia just like there are different types of cancers. This is sure. actually liking it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing with dementia, types of dementia. So Alzheimer's is the, the, the most common, vascular dementia, Lewy bodies, uh, frontotemporal, which is what Bruce Willis was recently diagnosed with, um, et cetera. Does that, does that make sense? I, it does make sense. And um, honestly, I, 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 we've, we spoke prior to doing this podcast together, and I really appreciated you explaining that so that people understand that the the term dementia is the symptom and then there are right. types and and is it is is dementia referred to as a disease well that's that's i think that's a misconception that that so Alzheimer's is the disease does that make sense i see we i yeah. it does now that you say that so Alzheimer mm-hmm. is a disease. The vascular type is also those are the the one, two, and threes that you mentioned. Those are the diseases, correct? Right, correct. I see. Well, that's that's very that, that's important um, to to understand that. So, Alzheimer's then, as you mentioned, now fits into that umbrella, if so to speak, and I can sort of visualize that um, with where where the Alzheimer's fits into that. Um, so let me ask you, um, um, I, I think I sort of know the answer to this question, but maybe you'd like to say more about it. 
what motivated you to work in the field of Alzheimer's and dementia care, particularly with the focus on the Latino community? I presume this had everything to do with your with your dad. Is that right? Absolutely, my dad. And then just you know, after experiencing that with my dad, just and uh, working in you know end of life care and hospice, uh, just seeing the 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 lack of I would say information, right? And the, the the reoccurring theme of for Latinos, specifically those who do not speak English, or you know, um, uh, what the di- understanding the diagnosis, right, mm-hmm. uh, of the disease, whether it's Alzheimer's, vascular, et cetera, and the prognosis, right. So I'm diagnosed with this now. What and then you know, um, as you know, it's it's a it's a, a progressive disease, so. It really just take a it takes a long time, but there's a there's a slow decline, but there's a decline, right? And there's different phases, yes. right? And so once mm-hmm. we enter the mid to late phase, um, multiple visits to the ER, and they just family Latino families, you know, Spanish, don't, just don't understand what what does this all this mean? Well, we're, we're we're in the last phase, and so but what does that mean, right? And so a lot of right. I, I would say physicians don't take the time to explain what this last phase means and how it's mm-hmm. going to look like and what's going to happen. And, and unfortunately, uh, what happens is a person dies of complications of the disease, right? I so see. really preparing them for that, that's what's missing. Yes. It must be so scary if you're that, you know. You teared mm-hmm. up just speaking about it, and it's been a long time. You don't forget those things, and no. um, and and end of life care. You know that's that's a um, an occupation that some people actually pursue as their career. And when people, um, it, does insurance play any part of any of this? That I mean. If somebody has to be hospitalized or something like that, or they need somebody to come in and help them, is there a cost? Well, again, this this depends on the type of insurance that the individual uh-huh. has, and if the the individual has insurance. You know, that's all, access. I go to back to access. A lot of uh, uh, Latinos don't have insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if they do have insurance, I you know. Uh, <sighs> Um, how can I say this? You know, the quality of care uh, is still missing. Mm-hmm. It's still not there for some groups, for some um, minority groups. I'll say that. I see. That's mm-hmm. interesting, and and I think everybody realizes this. You know, we're talking about the LA um, affiliate because Alzheimer's um, is a national organization. So regardless of where you're listening to this in the country, you can certainly look up um, Alzheimer's where you live to get this kind of information as well, correct? Right. So we're Alzheimer's Los Angeles. So so we service specifically the Los Angeles County area, all of L.A. County. All of L.A. County, I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so... How do you see some of these unique challenges that you must face and the needs of the Latino community when it comes to the Alzheimer's care and support? So I, I go back to access, right, access to information, um, mm-hmm. uh, letting them know what uh, available resources are, are out there, you know, 
mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. them, and that majority is mostly free. So I can't tell you how many times I go to a, a community event, uh, and uh, many are still surprised to learn um, that, one, our organization exists, right? We are Alzheimer's mm-hmm. LA, and two, mm-hmm. that our, our services are for free. They're like, what? Uh, so I still get yeah. I still get shocked, and so that still lets me know. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done, right, in some of these communities to let them know that there is there is a, uh, information out there. There's an organization. There's help out here mm-hmm. if you have been diagnosed with the disease or to learn about the disease. But the the second part is there's a, there's a lot of misconceptions, right? And what I mean by mm. that in the Latino community is you know a, a lot not just, and I, and I I would venture to say not just in our community, but I think as a whole uh-huh. is. Uh, there's this there's this misconception that memory loss is a normal part of aging, right? And that right. that's not the case. Not, you know, yes, we all forget our car keys. Yes, we all forget, you know, stuff, right? Uh, but but I think identifying when it's more serious than that, and then going to see the doctor, right? Right. Uh, that's, right. That that still needs a lot of work. We still need to do a lot of work with that, that that piece right there. What is normal, and uh, normal? I would say normal with you know, um, you know, uh, quotes around it, right? A usual, yes, exactly. Normal aging, uh, and and what's not? And then when when should I go get checked, right? If it's not, mm-hmm. it's kind of like anything else where you have a baseline, you know, and right. um, if you regularly see a physician that might be something that's just going to be part of what you do as an annual exam if you're feeling forgetful. A lot of us, Mm -hmm. like you say, you could be in your 30s or you could be in your 70s, and it's like, where did I put my keys? Or I thought I had my phone with me. Or what day of the week is it? You know, we, and I, I, you know what, I'm certainly not an expert, but I I would just put myself into this and I would say, I think what happens is when our brain is multitasking and you want to do one thing and then something else catches your eye and then you start doing that. Oh, I meant to feed the cat. Oh, that's right. Okay, now, oh, oh, yeah, I was going to go outside and water the plants. Where's where's my phone? You know what I'm saying? I think think that sometimes whether you're a, a senior or you're a young person, Sometimes multitasking can be your worst enemy. And so I say to myself, finish what you started. If it means you need to write yourself a note and put it, put the post-it note on your hand, do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that sometimes we can complicate matters by not finishing what we've started. Does that make sense? Yes, Exactly. Exactly. Multitasking is one of the things that that really, um, I, I don't know how to say this, but contributes to, you know, um, uh, I say risk factors, if that makes sense. Right? Okay. I, we all do that. I do that. Yeah. <laughs> I do that. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. one task at a time, it's helpful. Right. Would you say that um, that the Latino communities – is disproportionately affected? How does the disease disproportionately affect the Latinos, and what are some of the, the the factors that contribute into that disparity? Yeah, so I can give you some statistics. So Latinos are one and a half yes. times more likely 
to develop Alzheimer's uh, disease um, than wow. non lucky but hmm. are more likely to be diagnosed um, uh, in the mid to late stages, if at all, if, if diagnosed at all, right? Mm. Uh, another startling statistic is uh, caregivers. So more than one in five Latino caregivers uh, report caring for someone living with Alzheimer's or a related dementia. And mm. then I could get into some perceived discrimination, you know, but by Latinos. So this is a this is in a 2021 Alzheimer's disease and fact figures, right? And, okay. Uh, Latinos, Latinos report 18% believe discrimination is a barrier, 34% experience discrimination, and 28% of caregivers experience discrimination. So this is a report done by Alzheimer's uh, um, uh, in 2021. And uh, these are startling statistics, right? Because yes. it's not... Like I, you know, working in the community and in this in this population, uh, you see you see some things, but then to have facts and figures back up what your belief is, it's uh, I think a little disheartening, you know. But at the same mm-hmm. time, validating that we need we need to do a lot of work in this area. Have has anybody from your organization been on any of the local um, news stations talking about this? Specifically for Latinos, affecting yes, Latinos. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, you know, I, I'm not too sure. I, I just joined the organization about a year ago, last August. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. so I've been here a little over a year, and then we had the pandemic, right? So I, right. Don't, I really, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I, I will say that the, that the pandemic was, you know, as awful as it was, what it did do was highlight what we already suspected was going on in the, uh, you know, uh, black and brown communities, right? And uh-huh, access uh-huh. to care, access to quality care. Um, this is this has been going on for a long time, but I really believe that what the, what the pandemic did was highlight really uh, mm-hmm. were uh, underserved. Yeah. It, it's, you know, I don't, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like the word cancer, and I'm putting quotes around that word, whether it's breast cancer, prostate cancer, whatever the cancer might be. You really can't talk to anybody that can't say that they know somebody, either a friend or a family member, that has some some connection to um, cancer. And I have a feeling that, you know, dementia and its... And it's um, um, diseases that's underneath that really do affect a lot of people, and sometimes they don't even really realize it. And that's that's what you were saying, that you know, understanding it is number one. Having access to the help is number two, and it's 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 so so important. And I, I like I said, your your website is is really really interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you if you could explain the importance of early detection and diagnosis of Alzheimer's in the community and what barriers might exist in that regard. Yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of research out there that you know that has a, that identifies that we need more Latinos to participate 
and these uh, research studies so that we can learn how this disease ex- affects us specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because what the, what, what the research have learned is that there's a difference between, you know, um, non-Hispanic whites, African-Americans, and Latinos, right, uh, and, and the way mm-hmm. that this disease affects us. Why? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There is. And so uh, there's a big push right now to really um, re- uh, recruit uh, black and brown communities, so Latinos and African American participants, to um, uh, to participate in a research study to find out why that is, and mm-hmm. and I know there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of there's a lot of I want to say uh, historical let's say trauma or hurt right in this area mm-hmm. for African American mm-hmm. and Latinos, and so. I think getting getting uh, uh, really educating on uh, first acknowledging that that happened right in the past, and then two, explaining why this research study and why we need to participate in these studies are important for our community, our respective communities, right? Because if we, if we do want to find treatments that help us and our loved ones, uh, we, mm-hmm. we need to participate, right? And, and what does that mean? Uh, studies. You know, um, I know a lot of a lot. Of, I, I could I could speak for the Latino community. A lot of them think I don't want to be a rat. I don't want to be a, an experiment. I don't want people to experiment experience experiment on me, right? So there's, right, there's a lot right. of there's a lot of misconception, and rightly so. So really mm-hmm. educating on what that means, right, and what the type mm-hmm. of study it is. So a lot of education and information has to we have to lead with that, and then two, the people who are delivering this information and education have to speak the language and have to know the culture so that they could be right. accepted by the community and hear them. Um, maybe we'll get into this at some point through our conversation, but I guess I'd be curious to know, how is um, this diagnosed? If somebody has dementia, what, what, what is the, what's the process of determining that? So there's a series of tests that have to occur uh, before coming to that to that diagnosis, right? So there's there's a you know like a um, I, I, they call it a mini uh, like a, a, a cognitive test that that the the physician can do, the primary care physician can do in the office. But there's also lab work. There's also then there's CT scans. So there's a there's a series of mm-hmm. uh, uh, tests that have to take place. And they all they like you have to do one before you get to the to the next one if that makes any sense, right? It does before they come to that. To yeah, um, and and you know and and then then you 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 go through that process, and then you maybe wait two years later or three years later, and you say you know it's probably time to have a brain scan again or have some kind of cognitive testing again just just to see where you are because. Did I understand you incorrectly? Is it not acceptable to think that just there is just a lack of memory and forgetfulness? Let me use that word. Let me use the word forgetfulness as opposed to lack, lack of memory. Is that part of the natural aging process for anybody? So I would say forgetting things is common, right? As we get older, we're not as sharp. I'll say that, right? Uh-huh. When, it, okay. when it starts to become problem where you need to like, oh, maybe something is like, for example, uh, um, you start to forget 
uh, let's say, people's names that you've known for a long time, family members, mm-hmm. that, and you're starting to, like, like you're, you're just drawing a blank, and you cannot mm-hmm. remember that person's name for the life of you, right? That's that's one example. The the other the other, I want to say tell uh, is, um, if a perfect example, I, I, I met this that we met this gentleman, his name is Jose. And he took the same route. He worked at this factory for like 20 years, okay? He took the, uh-huh. the bus to and from work every day, every day. And what time, the same time he left and, you know, the the the, train, the, the bus and the same time he came home, the bus. And he would get off mm-hmm. at this bus station right at a gas station, right in front of a gas station, because his house was like a three or four houses down. Every day for 20 years. So all of a sudden, Jose gets off the bus, cannot remember which house is his. Okay, mm-hmm. he knew he he came home from work. He knew he was coming from homework, but he could not remember the house. And so he went inside the gas station because the gas station owner, the the, the employee, knew him. Sure. And he said, "Hey, you know, uh, can you can you help me?" And he said, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, uh, I can't remember which house is mine." And and the, the employee thought he was joking. He's like, "No, I'm not joking. I, I really don't remember it." So he he he, you know, he caught on. He was, "Oh, this this is serious. He really doesn't remember." So he walked him to his house. He says, I'll walk you. I said, no, no problem. I'll walk you. This, this is oh, your house. Nice. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And then he tells him, don't tell my wife this happened. The perfect example of how the brain, oh. the memory starts to, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, decline. I don't know what other word, what other good word to put in there. But that's how mm-hmm. it starts, if that makes sense. It does. And, it's, and I'm sure it's, it's frightening. Um, yes. Not very, only, for, yeah. Not only for him, not going which way do I go, but when the family is contacted and it's like, okay, here's what you need to understand that's just happened. Um, and it and is is age a, is age a factor in this? Is 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 it a factor? A risk factor, yes. So you know, studies show that the older the older you get, the the higher at risk you are. Mm-hmm. Say with, so there are certain um, risk factors that come into play. So diet, what are, what you're eating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of sugar uh, is not good. It's not good for the brain, for the heart. And, and I think the easiest way that people can remember, this is what's good for your heart is good for your brain. That's how you can reduce. Your your fat the risk factors for Alzheimer's. Um, a, another one is activity, uh, walking, you know, dancing, learning music, like learning songs to a lyric. So, keep, things that that will keep the brain active reduces your risk. Yeah, you made me um, you made me think of something. Just I just just a side note because it, it just you you when you said music, I'm I'm in Rotary. I'm in a Rotary club. And there's mm-hmm. a um, a woman not far from our Rotary Club that started an entire program based on her husband. He was basically not speaking, but when he sat down to the piano, he could sing the words that he wasn't able to speak when he wasn't at the piano. Yep. And it's, so it's she started... It's just phenomenal. It gives me goosebumps just telling you this. And yeah. so she started a nonprofit called Music Men's Minds. I need to tell you about that off the air so you can look that up. But it's Music Men's, M-E-N-D, Music Men's Minds, mm-hmm. and how music can bring you 
back to something that's that's heartfelt and meaningful and you just you made me think about that um that that's that's it's really interesting um so i'm sorry to sidetrack but this i wanted to ask you, you know, this music is just you know music therapy just is so beneficial uh, yes. in more ways than one i think for the, for the human uh person yes. absolutely yeah. and and you mentioned the other thing about um i like what you said you said that um what's good for your heart is good for your brain. I think um, diet plays a part, and like you also said, um, so does exercise. And probably the third thing that you didn't mention, what probably plays a part in this just for a healthy person, is um, sleep, that you get decent sleep. And so between your sleep and your diet and your exercise, right? Yes, and I want to add one more thing, Marcia. Please. Socialization, that is so important. Well, you know, uh, the pandemic also highlighted this. So many people were uh, have become isolated or are isolated, mm-hmm. right? Um, for whatever reason, right? Uh, are afraid to come out or don't have access, mm-hmm. just can't come out, uh, lost mm-hmm. touch, for whatever reason. But socializing, you know, also is very good for the person, for the individual, for the for the heart, body, mind, and soul. It's it's so good to interact with people we're not made to live alone i truly believe that in my heart we are we i are agree with fellowship you and be, and be part of community and be part of each other's lives right that that adds so much value to the person absolutely and you know it's interesting because that's what gives my life a lot of purpose by doing this every week with such wonderful guests like yourself i mean that it's purposeful and i'm grateful for that uh, are there some specific gen- genetic or environmental factors that would increase the risk of Alzheimer's among the Latinos? And how can people, how can these individuals better understand their risk? Yes, yeah, so there are there are genetics do, do play, but but I want to say it's a huge role as people think they do. So so, so there there are studies out there if you have a specific gene, a specific gene uh, you're mm-hmm. at higher risk to get the, the disease. Mm-hmm. I want to say the easiest way that explains it is that even though if you have those genetics, it does not mean you are 100% going to get it, if that makes sense. It's, it's a risk factor. It increases your risk of okay. getting the disease. Because there's family members, let's say, like, you know, for example, um, siblings. You know, if you have siblings who have all got the disease, who, who were diagnosed with the disease, it doesn't mean 100% that you will get it. But the best one that I heard just explained, I was at a conference and this lady explained it. It's like a a, a light switch, right? So we all have uh, these genes, right, certain genes. And it depends mm-hmm. on the lifestyle that we are living. What are mm-hmm. we putting in our, in our bodies? What are we doing with our brain activity? What are we doing with our physical activity? That will turn on that switch, if that makes any sense. It makes sense it to does. me. When I'm like, oh, I get it. You know, I get it. Uh, that makes so much sense because it's not it's not a hundred percent hundred percent guaranteed that you will get it if someone in your family has it or if there is genetics involved. It really does come down to uh, uh, lifestyle activity or lack thereof. If that makes any sense. It does. You know, I remember when Sudoku first came out and then Wordle came out and there's all these games and word things and and trying to, you know, just stimulate your brain. I remember when those things all started. And I think those are all, you know, 
sometimes you're a senior citizen, you might have a little bit more time to do those things than somebody that's putting in a 50-hour work week. But um, right. there are there are things like that that's out there. But perhaps you could describe some of the unique challenges that the community is facing when it comes to the dementia and the support. Well, I, I, I go, I'm going to go back here to... Um, I want to it's the access certain beliefs, right? So there's certain uh-huh. beliefs within the Latino community that that um, kind of become a barrier to to that. And for so one is believing that that this disease is as a normal part of aging, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh, it's almost six out of ten that uh, you know believe that significant loss of cognitive abilities or memory is a natural part of aging rather than a disease. So that's that's a problem, right? So, so mm-hmm. really educating the community on what what is normal and what is not, or you know, in in, in, in quotes, there what's normal, what's usual. The other uh-huh. thing is a fear. There's a fear of the word Alzheimer's, you know, and yes. mentioning the word brings up certain emotions for some people, and some are hesitant to talk about it because the, the belief is, and I'm just talking about my community and what I've heard personally is, if I talk about it, I might get it. So I don't want to talk about it. Let's, I don't want to talk about that, right? Right. Um, yes. Yes. And then there's also a lot confused this with mental illness. So another grave misconception in the Latino community is that the belief that Alzheimer's disease is a mental illness, and it is not. Mm-hmm. Right. So really educating on that piece. Um, mm-hmm. And I could tell you, you know, in our in, from our caregivers, our caregiver workshops, what we hear, what I've heard, as a common thing is some of them think. Uh, it's a common belief among caregivers is that they think that the person with dementia is faking, mm-hmm. right? Oh, because you're kidding. They, yeah, because they think, how can you remember uh, what happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but he can't remember what he did five minutes ago? I think he's mm-hmm. faking it. And so this is what, these, are the, these are the thoughts, right, that come, when they come into our workshop, workshop uh, you know, our class. But by the time mm-hmm. they leave, they learn that this is part of the disease. This this is what happens, right? They can remember the lyrics to a song that's 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, right? Right. But they can't right. remember what they had for breakfast. They can't mm-hmm. remember your name. They can't remember who you are and what you meant to them in their life. It's very it's very hard for a caregiver to, exper- one, experience that, and then, two, to live with it and then care, like, it, you know, to, to care for the individual. And so bringing the educational piece that this is the normal part of the disease. This mm-hmm. is how the disease, unfortunately, is. Um, right. So, but they're so grateful after they, can, they, you know, they complete our workshops because they learn the disease, the educational piece of it, and then the stages mm-hmm. of the disease. And they identify, oh, this is where I'm at. This is where my loved one is at, right? Mm-hmm. And then, too, they learn how important it is to take care of themselves. Self-care is so important as a caregiver because this is a 24-7 job. If anybody, and you know, and if your listeners, if you've, if you've ever cared for someone who is sick, mm-hmm. it is a 24-hour, seven days a week um, right. labor of love. It's It's so interesting. I was thinking about... Um, some people in this community have lived here a very long time, and I remember this one gentleman saying, "In the middle of the wa- in the middle of the night, his wife just escaped, and that was a term he used. He yeah. just she just left the house. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's like, where did she go? And that was like startling because she yeah. didn't know where she was. And now we need to find her. And not. I remember another family where they actually put like a big hook and eye on all the doors that were hard for anybody to reach but this tall person. And that way if they tried to open the door, they weren't going to be able to exit. So I, I remember knowing that. Uh, on, I guess what would be interesting for me to know, and I and I don't know what the answer is, this, so that's why I guess I can ask it. Is is this a preventable disease? Well, you can't. I I would say there's there's steps that you can take to reduce the risk. I go back to okay. that. There's ways that we as as individuals. Uh, there's things that we can do to reduce, reduce our risk to getting this disease, and that is nutrition, that is diet, right? What am I putting in my mm-hmm. body? Am I active? Am I am I am I physically, you know, um, you know, staying active? Am I walking? Am I working my brain? You know, so mm-hmm. all of these things contribute, right? Am I living alone and just sticking to myself, or am I socializing? Am I, you know, am I am right. I uh, interacting? others all that all of that all of that comes into play uh, and helps Mm -hmm. to reduce the risk of getting this disease it reduces it but it doesn't prevent it correct and that's the best way i think i could yeah sure would you say that there's just some cultural factors within your community that just impacts people's attitudes toward dementia and seeking care for it so I, I would say all of those things that I mentioned, so it's all, all of these uh-huh. beliefs are connected to lack of education and information uh-huh. and contribute to delays in, in seeking medical help or accessing dementia-related services and, I would say, lead to disparities in diagnosis, treatment, mm-hmm. and support for individuals with dementia and their families. So it's like a compilation, yeah. right, mm-hmm. uh, of all of these mm-hmm. things. Um, that contribute to that, to the lack of access. I'm sure that's true. Um, it, it's it's a it's a daunting subject, but um, it's an important subject. And, and, and yeah. because you've kind of done all sides of this, from the caregiving side to the you know the education side, and all of this, um, it I think this is this is this is really significant. Um, let me ask you another question. Are there are there certain resources and support networks networks that are available to the Latino families who might be caring for someone with Alzheimer's? Is 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 are you the best nonstop place to go? Yes, I will say 100% yes. And, and okay. I have an easy easy access uh, easy way to access this. We have a helpline, and if you don't mind, I'm going to share okay. that with you now. It's please. Uh, uh, Four four health all. That's one eight four 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 three five seven two five nine. And you've also shared our our um, our uh, website. web address. That's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, website well alzheimersla.org. Uh, but that's we we have we have information that will help not only the Latino community, but also African American and uh, Mandarin. So we have those those are the languages aside from English that we specialize mm-hmm. in. We have a, a really great uh, education and outreach team 
um, that that raise awareness, inform, and connect to resources. That's our, our you mm-hmm. know, outreach and education team. And then we have another great group of clinical services. That's our um, our care counselors. And these are all MSW or higher or L, you know, uh, master's in social work or licensed um, mm-hmm. uh, clinical social workers who uh, speak, you know, Spanish as well. And will really, uh, the best way that I could describe their their uh, expertise or their um, specialty is walking mm-hmm. hand in hand with the caregiver, the person who's providing the care for the person with dementia, to help them in the on this journey. It's a mm-hmm. tough journey. I'm not going to lie and say that it's going to be easy because it's not. But it but right. we can't provide you the help, number one, the support and the resources that you will need along the way. I think that's the, the specialty of our care counselors. I, I just think that's great. Now, something really big happened. I believe, was it yesterday? Did you have a really big event yesterday? Yes. Thank you so much. Tell us yes, about it's it. It's our third annual. It's a Making Memories Festival, and it's, like you said, November is a month of uh, to raise awareness on the disease and then also caregivers, uh, uh, caregivers Month. So we had mm-hmm. a great event yesterday at LA Historic Park. Uh, we had a, 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 um, a lineup. Oza Motley was the main uh, headliner, great, great uh, supporter of the cause and, and, and our organization. We love them. And also other groups, local groups that, that were contributed to, to the lineup. And then we also had great sponsors to come and a table spread more information, raise awareness and uh, mm-hmm. inform and, again, connect to resources. So everything and anything that we thought would be helpful for the community to learn about the disease and then, mm-hmm. uh, to if they're living with someone, you know, currently taking care of someone with the disease, connect them to resources. And it was a, it was a great event yesterday. So it always Wonderful. happens in November. Uh, next mm-hmm. year, hopefully, we can get some more, you know, uh, uh, another great event. Sponsors. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you know, this is a disease, and I mean, I suppose you could say that about any disease, but this is a disease that affects the entire family, whether you're yeah. the granddaughter, whether you're the wife, whether you're, you know, whomever you might be in relationship to. You know, this is a question that just occurred to me, and I. so if, I, if I'm wondering this, maybe somebody else might be wondering this. Is it um, more prevalent in men over women or women over men, or is it about the same? Oh, that's a good – you know, women are more prevalent than men. Really? And I don't have this in front of me, but we do have data on that. Yes, we do. That's, that's interesting because I think about my father was from a very large family, and uh-huh. um, the people that lived – to a certain age, I mean, they didn't. They those that lived into their sixties and seventies and older, it was the sisters um, that um, had um, dementia, um, not not any of the brothers. My father died of a rather. You know, he's in his early seventies. My mother was even much younger, and so I don't have that to look at. But I do know that you know I do have family members that that had that and and they ended up going into like nursing homes is that a common thing that people will do sometimes yes for those who i I will say this for those who can't afford uh can afford it right Mm -hmm. yes they they do tend uh i could say uh uh you know uh, well i could speak for the latino community um that's not that's not something i would say 
common. I think uh-huh. I, I can say this maybe as a last resort because in our culture, um, we, 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 we take care of our own. That's another, you know, I, I think, see. I think mm-hmm. a big, um, it's just, we're just different. We just, we, mm-hmm. we're prone to take care of our own. We're prone to keep it in the family. We're prone to, um, we're very, uh, some families are very protective of who they let in, right? And right. So, and it's seen as it's not seen as an obligation. Like we, like the word caregiver itself doesn't really translate well in Spanish, uh, because we don't see it that mm. way. I'm her daughter. I'm 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 I was my I am my dad's daughter, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it, now it's my turn to take care of him. No question that mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Right. Uh, and the majority of us, I, I I can't speak for a whole I can't speak for a whole population. But I could tell sure. you that this is something that's common in our culture is that we take care of our own. And, and, and those who can't afford a facility may, you know, um, lean towards that way. But there's also a, a guilt because, again, it's like we're, we're used to, well, you know, how, right. how can I put my mother in a home? How can I put my father in a home? These are just the conversations that took place in my, in my household when my dad got sick, Right. And my mom has right. my mom is still alive, she's eighty one years old and she told me, I don't wanna go don't put me in the casa. I don't wanna go in a home you know and I said, Don't worry mm-hmm. about that, you will never have to you you are staying with me. Okay, okay. I just wanna make sure because yes. know, now that we've lived through this, she just wants to, I said, sure. no, don't worry about that. You're fine. You well, are you and she tells me you know, and she, uh, she says, and make sure that my hair is always done. Okay, I promise you. <laughs> oh gosh, so I love that. Don't put me in a home, and make sure my hair is always dead. <laughs> you, well, you know, that's what a sense of humor. The the interesting yeah. thing about what you said, though, is that some of these homes are just exorbitant in cost. Yeah, I mean, exorbitant in cost. Um, thousands and thousands of dollars a month. And, you know, not everybody, I don't care if you're Latino or not, but not everybody can afford to yeah. to take advantage of that. And and if you're thinking about, shoot, you know, I, I've got a directive and, you know, and I've got a trust and I've got all these things in place and I want my children to inherit my my good my good fortune you know i would hate to think that they would have to spend all of what what i would consider to be their inheritance on keeping me alive because i don't know the answer to this and and you might so i i hope i'm not putting you on the spot but in california we'll just use this our state if you are really demented where you can't speak you don't know your name you are you cannot communicate but you are being kept alive on fluids is is that is that something that somebody can opt out of and say look at if i don't if i can't say your name if i can't say my name you need to pull the liquids out of my arm is that is that legal in california so i i could the best way i think i could answer that is that these are these are decisions that you want to make before yes for you while you are a, a uh, alert, oriented, and and have the capacity to make these right. decisions yourself. Right. This is why I right. think you hit on the you know that we that we struggle with and is advanced directives. You know is no, what mm-hmm. what do you want? Knowing what the person uh, who is no longer able to make those decisions for themselves, right? What they want, but more 
what they don't want. What what you I want to know right. what do you want, what don't you want when you get to this point, right? And so that all that has mm-hmm. to be in writing. And then I've, once and, it's, and it's in writing, that's honored. Right, and and I can just tell you, um, it needs to be notarized, and it's not written yeah. up by your physician. It's actually written up by an attorney. An attorney has to be the one that that actually does that. So for well, those of you that are listening. I, I will share this with you. In California, there's this document. It's called My Five Wishes. And that document does not have to be notarized. Oh. It does have to be by two witnesses. Uh, I, I can speak to that document. And so that that's if, you know, uh, families can Google that. It's uh, readily available on, on the Internet. You know, my, I think it's called My, my um, Five Wishes. And, okay, uh, good to California, know. Yeah, California, I believe that only needs two two signatures, two witnesses to signature, and they can't be like family, if that makes sense. Okay, that's yeah, mm-hmm. that makes total sense because um, mm-hmm. you know some families really do break up over um, money. Um, in the in the final few moments that we've had together on this, really, just this has been so informative. When you're not working. And you just get to like, how do you balance your professional life and your um, personal life? What do you enjoy doing? Well, I love spending time with my doggies and my husband, of course, and my son. Okay. Absolutely. Family is important. But my faith, my my faith is also very important. I, 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 that's what keeps me going. You know, I have to Mm -hmm. uh, replenish, you know, fill my cup. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So to speak, sure. I really do take time when I know I'm getting, you know, overwhelmed and I need a break. I I, I like to go uh, just disconnect from the world and go on retreats. I, I that really, I learned this a couple of years ago. That's really what restores nice. me, me and my soul. Uh, mm-hmm. Because when you're working in social services and, and and these type of things, you 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 want to make sure that you don't get burned out, right? And so right. I learned what for me. Yeah, everybody's different, but honestly, like I I tell my husband. I need a break, babe, and I, mm-hmm. uh, there's a retreat going on at Sacred Heart in Alhambra, and so I'm going to go there for the weekend. And, there you go. And I literally disconnect. No phone, no nothing, and nice. and that's how I replenish my soul. You know how you hear that, you know, there was a slogan you can't give from an empty cup. Um, yeah. In order to continue to give, we do need to give to ourselves as well. I think it's an important reminder to all of us, whether you're your age or you're my age or anybody in between, mm-hmm. that we do need to I, – I take a yoga class online, and, and you just sometimes need to take a deep breath and just yeah. calm your body down. And uh, however you do it, whether it's through your faith, whether it's to reading, whether it's taking the dogs for a walk and – just looking up in the sky and seeing these beautiful clouds, whatever you might be seeing that just replenishes you, I think that that's really important because what you're doing, and Lisa, it really is important what you're doing. I'm I'm trying to think about the different organizations that I'm associated with where I feel like maybe you could speak to this subject. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give that some thought, but. You know, just I want to just thank you so much for for being a guest on my show, for sharing your story, your personal story, your professional story, because it's meaningful, and and I'm just very grateful that you have taken the time to share that with um, our listeners today. 
Oh, well, I just want to thank you, Marcia, for just, first of all, inviting me and giving me this platform to, to educate and inform. I think, I think, you know, I know it's a cliche, this, you know, uh, information is power, but it really truly is. Uh, you it know, is. You know, so I just really wanted to thank you for, for giving me this opportunity to just shed light on um, Alzheimer's and the Latino community. Thank you. And, and you know, a shout out to my neighbor, Lisa, because, you know, She's the one that told me about you. So um, thank you so much. I mean, Christy. See, I'm looking at your name that says Lisa. My neighbor, Christy. Christy is the one that told me to contact you. I do, too. (laughs) She's she's a wonder. She only lives two houses away from me. So um, I'm grateful that Christy connected us. Now I'm going to let you get on with the rest of your afternoon. And I'll be back here next week. Interestingly enough, my guests next week are from the Midnight Mission downtown um, on Skid Row. That's what I mean. I really like to highlight the people that are really making a difference as you are. So thank you once again for your time. I wish you the very best, and I will let you get on with your day. So thank thank you, you, everybody, for listening. You're welcome. Bye for now, everybody. It's Broadway's number one holiday hit musical. Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the musical. Coming to the Hollywood Pantages Theater December 6th through the 17th. Tickets at broadwayandhollywood.com. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. It's Broadway's number one holiday hit musical. Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the musical. Coming to the Hollywood Pantages Theater December 6th through the 17th. Tickets at broadwayandhollywood.com.